doing. Oh, it's so amazing. We love you so much. Open our hearts to receive this word now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I found this um, off the internet. I thought it was kind of good. And so um, I can't take credit for this. But anyway, Mother's Day. What not to buy for your wife? Mm. Men, please listen. This is so good. I, I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. Although the only person a man usually shops for is his wife, the whole experience can be a stressful one. Mm. Amen, it can be. Uh, many a man has, has uh, felt extreme frigid temperatures for a long period based on poor present uh, decision. As a veteran of these wars, I'm still not sure what to buy my wife. And that's true. I never know what to get my wife. Uh, but I'll pass on uh, what not to buy for her. Number one, don't buy anything that plugs in. Anything that requires electricity is seen as utilitarian. Number two, don't buy clothing that involves sizes. Carter, right? Andrew, you young guys, listen here. Okay. Mm. The chances are one in 7,000 that you'll get her size right. And your wife will be offended the other 6,999 times. She'll say things like, do I look like a size 16? Or she'll say, too small? A size doesn't cut it either. I haven't wore a size 8 in 20 years. So guys, stay away from the clothing. Okay. Number three, avoid all things useful. Like the new silver polish advertised to save hundreds of hours is not going to win you any brownie points. This is a good one. Guys, just look straight ahead. Okay, don't look. Okay. Uh, don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement. <laughs> She'll perceive a six-month membership to a diet center as a suggestion that she's overweight. Yikes. And guys, don't buy her jewelry. The jewelry your wife wants, let's face it, until the blessing of God comes, you can't afford it. <laughs> and the jewelry that you can't afford, she doesn't like anyway. So what can you do, guys? Why don't you just give her your heart? Amen. Why don't you just affirm her and let her know how important she is to you, how much you appreciate her. Amen. Let her know that she's valuable in your life. Oh, and kids, I don't know all the kids have left, but I think we've all been there. Maybe I should share this with them, but this was kind of cool too. Two kids told their mother not to cook for Mother's Day, that they would do it. Nine pots, two skillets, four large bowls, 11 spoons, five measuring cups, and one whole roll of paper towel later, mom said, man, that was the best jello I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, we love you. We appreciate you so much. And thinking of what to share on Mother's Day, um, I thought of one woman in the Bible that I think is probably one of the most admirable women in all of Scripture. I mean, there are a lot of them. Of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, but the one I'm thinking about is Esther, Queen Esther. The story of Esther is one that we all know. It's, you know, 
It's a short book in the Bible, only has about 10 chapters in it, I believe. But it records for all posterity the faithfulness of this young Jewish girl who was born into slavery. And she ended up being forced against her will to do something. And that was to become queen of a pagan nation. Does that sound familiar, ladies? Do you ever feel like you're being forced to do stuff? Your kids will come to you and say, Mom, can I do this? And you're, you're seeing the big picture, and you know it's going to be disastrous in the end because you're mom. You know, it. you know everything. And so you will, to protect them, you will say no. But they'll keep coming back to you and keep coming back to you and keep coming back to you and just wearing you down. And finally, you just say, fine, just go, right? Sometimes you don't feel like you're valuable. But you realize that Queen Esther saved a whole nation because she stepped out of her comfort zone. She stepped out of her ordinary life. She didn't like the idea of being cast into public life as a queen, but you know, she'd rather have just stayed home in her ordinary life, little ordinary girl. But God had a plan for her. And ladies, I want you to hear me. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. Even you, young Nicole, God has a plan for you. I know, and you're still here. You're still here, and we're so glad because that plan still has to be, has to be completed. Yeah, you got a you got a great grandbaby. Oh, a grandchild. That's right. I keep on saying great grand. It's a grandchild. Your son. Her son at fifty nine years old had his first baby. That's that's incredible, isn't it? Hallelujah. <laughs> so, ladies. Know that you're here for a purpose. There are five lessons that we can learn from Esther. I'm just going to go through these really quick. You all know them. It's very practical, but sometimes we need to be aware of that. The first one is the Christian walk is a faith walk. Amen. God doesn't always reveal his perfect will and his plan for the situations that are in our lives. He doesn't give us our whole destiny before us. He'll give us an inkling of what it's going to be. But it takes a thing called faith, doesn't it? A faith to step, put one step in front of another, to get up each day, do the things that you're doing, and wondering, is this even worth it? Is, Is anything happening? But he guides us. He guides us by faith. And often it's not until we reach a a major milestone in our lives that we can look back and see, wow, I guess God was in this all along. Think about it, ladies. Some of you that had teenagers that you just thought, oh, my Lord, did this really come from my body? The kids acts up and is, is totally disrespectful and sassy at times. We don't have any teens in here right now, so I guess I can say that. As they go through those changes in life and their hormones are just surging all over the place, right? 
but then they graduate from high school. And you look back and you see, wow. They go on to college and they graduate from college and you look back and you go, wow. They get their first professional job and they start to excel. And they start coming home and they start calling you blessed lady of God because they saw you on your knees praying for them. They saw all the time that you washed their clothes and made their, food, their meals, even though at times maybe some of the meals they didn't really care for, but yet you, you continually did what you were called to do. And it made a difference in their lives. Amen. Oftentimes there are people that will come to me and they'll just say, I can't understand why God is allowing this situation to happen. Why am I in this position right now? Perhaps it's, ladies, for those of you that are working outside the home, maybe it's your job environment. Maybe it's a school environment and something that you're, that's taking place in one of your kids' schools. Or maybe it's a family situation that you're facing. And you're overwhelmed by all the, the powers of darkness that seem to be crushing in all around you. Perhaps you're questioning, God, why am I here? Can I accomplish something greater for your kingdom? Can I do something better and more significant that's going to give me worth? But the Lord has you there, just as he had Queen Esther in that position at that time. Do you realize with Queen Esther, if she was to go before her husband, who was the king of the land, without him requesting her to come before him, she could be put to death. I'm sure your husbands probably don't do that to you. I sure hope they don't. But yet, she was faced with that decision. And there was a wicked plan to take out the Jewish nation. And Mordecai, the one that actually raised her, he gets word to her. And he tells her that God has a certain plan and a purpose. So ladies, don't give up. It's a walk of faith. And know that there are consequences if you're disobedient in doing what God's called you to do. But man, there's a shower of blessings that come when you do exactly what he told you to do. So stay faithful. The second point I want to make, key point from Esther, is every circumstance that we face is there for a greater purpose. And oftentimes we don't see it at the moment. We must stop to realize that God never allows anything in our lives by accident. Nothing happens by coincidence. Romans 8.28 tells us that. And we know that all things, say all, all things, they work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We also know Proverbs 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man, ladies, we could say the steps of a good Woman, they're ordered, they're established by the Lord. God used this orphan Hebrew woman, a slave, in fact, to save his people. I'm sure Esther never thought in a million years that her life was going to take on such significance. Ladies, know that your life is very significant. The third key, I told you this was going to be easy and it's going to be quick. Every one of us must learn to listen to God and make the best of whatever situation we find ourselves in. <laughs> you're, you're thinking, yeah, Pastor Pete, that's easier said than done. If you could only see my home right now, <laughs> right? 
That's okay, ladies. You don't have to clean the house today. Let your husband do that. <laughs> Teresa's going to hold me to that. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, there are a lot of times men and women alike will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, pray for me because I want a better job. Sometimes people will come to us and well, sometimes they don't even tell us, they just end up leaving, but then we find out they want a better church. Some people say, I just want a happier life. Ladies, when are we going to realize that it isn't the job, it isn't the church, it isn't our spouse, it isn't our children, it isn't our grandchildren, or our great-grandchildren, because I know you got some of those, Nicole. Or it's not even our circumstances that determine our happiness. Our attitudes determine, determine our happiness. How we go through the trials will determine our happiness. You know, I'm telling you, this whole thing about sonship, as I, and I hope you're all reading Romans chapter 8 like I gave you that assignment. Just read it over and over and over again. Please, please keep reading it because we're not done with the sonship thing. We'll, we'll pick it up again next week. But you have to be aware all the time what you're feeding inside of you. Not the food that you take in, but what you're meditating upon all the time. All the time. And ladies, if you're just thinking, my life, my life just sucks. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going on. You know, I'm bored. I want this. I want that thinking that this and that is going to make your life better. No, what you need is you need Jesus, and you need a revelation of your, your sonship or your daughtership with God. You need to understand your rich inheritance in him. You need to understand that you're here for a greater purpose than you can see or imagine right now. Amen. And when you meditate upon that, man, the dog could be ripping up the carpet. <clears throat> the kids could be spilling stuff all over the place. The laundry could be mounting up to the ceiling. Amen. Come on, somebody. But it's not going to bother you. Because you know that you're loved and affirmed by Father God. And that he's working out something so supernatural inside of you, you can't even imagine it. Amen. Abraham Lincoln said this, quote, A man is about as happy as he makes up his mind to be. You determine your own happiness, ladies, and men too, by the attitude that we have. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, James says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. But yet when we go in those trials, it's like, oh, this, this is joyful. Are you kidding me? How can I find any joy in this situation, this circumstance? My kid just came home with an F on his report card. How can I be happy about that? But yet we're to count it all joy. Because then it takes patience, you see, inside of you to start creating something of God inside of you. So you can be perfect. That word perfect means mature, complete, lacking nothing. How many want to have everything that God has for you? Then count it all joy. Just count it all joy. 
I can tell you, you're going to be a lot happier if you do that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Philippians 4, um, verses 11 through 13, Paul said this, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, I have learned, I have learned. Say, I have to learn this. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's a learned thing. That just doesn't come naturally. But in every situation, you have to learn to be content. He says in verse 12, I know how to be abased. In other words, I know how to go with absolutely nothing. And some of you remember that when you first started out getting married, you didn't have nothing, did you? Well, inflation's going. Maybe you're thinking I'm getting kind of short right now, too. But anyway, you have to be content when you have nothing. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, Paul said, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Throughout the whole day, if that's what you need to say, beloved, that's what you need to say. I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. This isn't my strength, but it's his strength in me. It's his anointing. It's his grace working through me that I can succeed in this thing called life. Amen. Have faith in God. Trust in him. Let your life be a witness to your family and to your coworkers and to your neighbors that you're a Christian. We have an opportunity this week. Somebody in our neighborhood wants to meet with Teresa and I because they have a situation in their family and they don't know what to do. I am so excited about this opportunity. Just be consistent in your walk with Jesus. Let people see something different in you that they don't see in the world. And then they will call upon you in that time of need. Number four. If we fail to carry out the will of God for our lives, we may face death, the death penalty also. Esther faced the possibility of death if she went to go see King Xerxes unannounced. If we fail to live for God, we are in rebellion against God. And rebellion is sin, we know that. And the penalty of sin is what? It's death, it's a separation. We must be about the Father's business. We must work while we still can and and display the very best to our family, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, amen. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. They're the only Jesus that they're going to see. Let them see the most beloved, benevolent, gracious, loving Jesus in you and me. Yesterday, Eze and I had an opportunity to pray for someone to ask Jesus into their heart. I love those opportunities. But how many know that those opportunities don't come every day? One plants, one waters, but it's God that gives the increase. How do you know that your smile today isn't that plant? Or your, your act of kindness might be that water upon that seed that's already been planted. Or praise God, maybe you're the one that's going to bring in the harvest. But we have to be available. Amen. Praise the Lord. I would sing Shine, Jesus, Shine if the music team would let me, but I've, I've told that I'm, I'm kind of old and over the hill on some of these songs. But that's what we need to do. We need to let Jesus shine. Amen? Amen? You need to understand that the devil is never going to stop trying to break up your family. 
He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to wreck what God has in your life. Esther came to realize that God had placed her in the palace of the king of Persia for a specific time and purpose. All the hours of loneliness that she faced, the separation from her family and friends, questioning God God, why all this was happening. She was destined to carry such a heavy burden all of her life. And know, women, that what you're doing to bring up your family in the ways of God, it may seem burdensome at times, but know there's great reward. Amen. we got to hang on. We're in a day of darkness, and we need to let that light shine. Know that his hand is upon you, women. I'm closing. Know that there are those that are watching everything that we do. Esther said in, in Esther 4, verse 13, oh, Mordecai said to her, you can remain silent if you want. You can, you can just remain silent. You don't have to be a testimony for Jesus. And know that God will bring salvation another way. But you and your household will suffer destruction. But he said, how do, you, how do you know? But for such a time as this, you've been placed in this position. For such a time as this, ladies, you've been put in this position. You're important to your family. You're important to this church family. You're important to this community. You're important to the kingdom of God. And know that you can do this. I titled this message, although I haven't really followed much of my message. <laughs> Girl, you got this. And I don't mean any, any disrespect when I say that. But that's just kind of a modern term. You've heard that, right? It's a term of encouragement that you can do this. And I want you to know, girl, you got this. You can do this. You can raise a godly family. You can make a difference. You can step out in faith and watch God perform his word through you. Girl, you got this. For such a time as this, God has brought you right to this place right now. Girl, you got this. For such a time as this, there are souls that are going to be saved through your witness for Jesus Christ. Whether you're young or whether you're in your golden years, God will still use you if you remain available. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, that's all I really have. I told you I wasn't going to keep you very long. I wanted to encourage you ladies with that. But we do have something we want to give you. So, ladies, if you could come up the... How should we do this when it's all over there? Why don't you just come up the middle aisle here? Teresa and Sharon, maybe you can help me out.